dedicated to HBO's Game of Thrones and George R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire book series. You're listening to Podcast Winterfell. Welcome back to Podcast Winterfell, baby. We did it. We made it. Episode one of season season seven. I'm so excited I can't talk straight. Is in the books. Uh, my name is Axel. I'm here, of course, with Heath Snowlow. We're going to be doing the instant reaction here on Podcast Winterfell. Quickly, we are a part of the DVR Podcasting Network. I want to start out. Just We're going to get to the Game of Thrones stuff, but I just have to say thank you to Joe, John, and Kellum, our first three patrons. Check us out on Patreon. They are along on this journey with us. We're going to have tons of super awesome patron-only stuff coming out, but these three podcasts you're going to get a week. That's coming to you. All you have to hit is subscribe. Me and Heath on Sunday night, DJ Tim Hines doing the fan call-in on TalkShoe. On Monday night and later in the week, Tracy, Donald, and Mike. So check it out. But we're here to talk about Game of Thrones. What's your impressions, bro, right off the bat? You know, I um, we went out today, and then I, you know, I was gearing up, and I'm like, ooh, Game of Thrones. I almost didn't want to take my daily nap. I was so excited. Okay? <laughs> but uh, I watched the finale before I watched the... Uh, the season premiere. I love doing that with all shows. You watch the finale, then the season premiere. I just love doing that. Like when I'm binging a show, I'll do the same thing. I'll never stop after a season. I got to move on. Um, so it stays fresh. And I, I found myself getting emotional at the end of the finale. And then even in this one, I, you know, I'm getting a little teary eyed at times and not so much for the content, but just that it's back. I enjoy it so much. And it just like, I mean, there's a lot of great shows out there, but Game of Thrones is something special. And it, I almost can't believe it's here. It, it's weird because we've been so busy in the off season that even though it was three months later, it came on. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. And then when we're watching it, uh, me and Lady Solo, I mean, we're like clapping and like getting excited, <laughs> giving each other high fives. You know, it was like it was like we were we were in, baby. Yeah, yeah. I I loved it, man. I just have to say straight out of the gate that I really loved this episode. Um I just thought that it did a fantastic job of of basically introducing us to kind of the new world order. Um it had funny moments, it had emotional moments, triumphant. I I, I really I was really I was really excited about it. I was a little surprised that um the pace was not as quick as I thought it might be. I mean, the Arya scene to start it off definitely kind of picked up, like kicked it into high gear. Like right. it was kind of throwing it down, like heads up, everybody. This is the world we're living in now. We're not taking out like one person. We've got a bunch of people who are just going to take every, you know what I mean? She did like a mini Cersei there. You know what I mean? Like just take everybody out together. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, I just, I was, I was really happy, man. I did not have much to complain about. I'll probably find something. I mean, I'm on Twitter, so I have to know how to complain, right? Um, <laughs> but I'm really happy, man. I feel like this was so high quality. Everything from the costumes 
to the rickety cart that Sam was pushing, every the little touches of quality. Mm, mwah, magnifique. Yes, ça c'est bon. And also, I've noticed in this episode, there was, other than the, you know, the Hound with the Brothers Without Banners, there was less explaining of dialogue, dialogue explanation and more looks. Like, even when we get the reveal of Jorah, that he's, you know, at the Citadel with the grayscale has gone up. They didn't, like, they gave a silhouette of his face. They didn't say... Who, wait, who are you? I am Jorah, you know, and I have grayscale. You know, they, even Danny, when she gets to Dragonstone, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, just her reaction. They, they didn't put so much dialogue of, you know, so much to catch us up. They set everyone in motion, but we, we know where we're at. Right. We right. know what's going on. And I love that we didn't get so much like info dumps. It was a lot of reaction and we were feeling it with the characters as well. Yeah, no, um, that's true. That's an interesting point because in the past they have kind of teetered on that line of over explaining, you know, um, and you're right. Using dialogue instead of um, visual imagery to show you something and letting the actors, like you say, act with their face, you know, and their body. Mm -hmm. Um, and it did, that's a good point. Heath, because to me, what this, as I, I gotta adjust, I gotta sit up while I say this, I'm adjusting myself. Oh, I like it. I like it (laughs) (laughs) to me. What this episode, as I'm watching it, it's something we talked a little bit about in this season seven preview, which is confidence Um, There's no question. I mean, I think that I feel like Dan and Dave always felt like they were chasing George. And once they caught up and then last season was so good and had such a positive response. And I think the general public few Besides, uh, as our friend uh, Michael will say, like the one percenters, you know, the Game of Thrones super fans realized that they were complete. They were off book so much, you know, but I feel like that gave them confidence and they came out with this episode and they laid it down and they were like, yo, this is it. And I, I just felt the confident hands guiding me through this episode uh, it was just spectacular, man. I mean, every part of it, just to think of the locations and the extra and like everything that's involved in this hour mm. of television is like more than five feature films would do. It's just, it's, it's still stupendous, man. Yeah. Well said. I, I agree with you 100% and I don't want to go on and on as well. Uh, with, cause you, you said it perfectly, but they, you know, they were trying to stay as true as they could to the material and they did it justice. I know, you know, book readers had problems with certain things that happens in the television medium. We've talked about that at nauseum, but now they have the reins. Now the confidence has set in, like you said, and it's like, here we go. This is it. Just enjoy it. And that's my motto for the next two seasons. Don't be overcritical. I mean, we're going to have problems with things. That's human nature. Not every show is perfect, but man, I'm, I'm ready to enjoy this ride. 
Definitely, baby. Giddy up, Solo. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> Giddy up. All right, let's start where we start, the beginning. Um, I mean, I knew right off the bat that that was – I mean, for a split second, I thought, is this a flashback? But then I was like, nah, this is Game of Thrones. They, they're not doing that. That's Arya. Uh, how about you? Yeah, no, I knew it was actually – for the first three seconds, I thought it was his corpse just standing there, like sitting there and his head was going to like fall off. That's for like three seconds. But then when Frey started talking, I go, Ari is getting revenge for the red wedding. I called it right away. Now it didn't have the same ramifications as the red wedding, which I don't think anything could really match that because there was so much set up and it just took us out, but they did it in a way where, I think that's the only way you could do it. I felt good. It was it was good as the teaser, because it didn't they didn't build it up so much. I mean, you know, in the finale we saw um, actually Arya killing uh, Walder Frey, but in the pies with the sons. But it was just enough to give give us a all right, yeah, let's move on yeah. kind of deal. So I was happy with it. You don't think there was there wasn't any other way. I mean, they could have strung it out over a whole episode, but I think they already kind of no. did it. Hey, you know what, man? I'm sorry. I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. And I saw some, um, I saw some people. I think on Twitter were kind of saying, and I I responded to to somebody. Um, that you know, how did she get the poison? How did she? Were the guards? And I'm like, look. This is this is the conclusion I've come to. She's a professional. If that right. was Jockin, you would never ask those questions. You would just say he's an awesome, a faceless man. He knows what he's doing. That's what we have to say with Arya, and that's how I've come to actually appreciate that scene with Walder Frey when she kills him. At first, it threw me off, but now a year and how many months later, I really feel like. What that's what they're saying to us. She graduated, you know. Jockin right. said, and, that, and that's what. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm um, sorry. Uh, that that's what um, Jockin did when she, he he uh, granted Arya, you know, the three kills. Yeah. We didn't. I don't think we ever saw him actually kill the people. They were already dead. But we understood, like, wow, this guy can do that. Exactly. Even, and we were just in, and we were just introduced to him. Yes. Like, <laughs> thank you. Great point. So, Great point. Yeah. And now I understand what people are going to say. Well, she's a main character. She's a little girl. Blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. We saw her train. She trained, and that was not over a period of weeks. That was over a period of, I think, like a year or more. You know, that she was there. She, Jackin, at the end, when she left, he let her go. He said, she said, I'm Arya Stark and I'm going home. And he smiled and she walked out. Her job, yeah. her her training was done. She's off to do the killing. You know, I mean, there's other ideas about how I think this plays into a lot of people's ideas that maybe this is why she was trained. You know what I mean? That Jockin kind of mm-hmm. knew what was going on. But anyway, I accepted it. I thought the way she did it was great. I love the turn from let's celebrate. 
you killed a <laughs> you killed a woman, a pregnant woman, and then they get a little quieter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I know you invited them to your home <laughs> and you killed them. <laughs> I loved it though. It was slow. I'll get it, another. Yeah, and you knew it was coming. You knew that's what. Then when they, as soon as the wine came out, everybody, any, everyone at home who's been paying attention knew they were all going to die. And she had perfect control over the entire situation, uh, even as she walked out. So I think that that's where Ari is at. She is a trained, oh, supernatural-like assassin now. That's who she is. Yeah, and I want to um, Mar- uh, throw this out there because this is what I was thinking throughout the episode. And even with the Jon Snow when he, uh, the Jon Snow, when Jon Snow, him and Sansa were going at it, and we'll talk about that in a second, but with the Umbers and the Cardstarks, um, Arya's like, you forgot, you know, you think you killed all the Starks, well, you forgot about me. And the in a lot of mythology, a lot of even shows, the young per, the, it's always like the young son or young daughter who gets left uh, just... Oh, don't worry. They're young. They remember, and they end up seeking revenge. Arya a little quicker than probably normal because she's not like all of a sudden thirty and is yeah. starting to kill. But it's like you forgot about her, and don't underestimate, you know, a young child who loses their family brutally. And so I think that was a kind of a theme I was thinking of, like, oh man, you know, you want to get all cocky, Walder Frey? Great, but you still got some Starks out there. You yeah. think you defeated them. But guess what? You got yours. No, bro. You hit on a total theme that ha- that is a huge part of the show from the beginning and from what people tell me the books, which is the passing down of power, right, from one mm-hmm. generation to the next. And we saw that with Arya. We saw that with uh, the Karstarks and the Umbers, as you said. We saw that with Danny returning to her ancestral home. Um, we saw that in Jamie and Cersei's conversation where they say we have no legacy, where the absence of that is mm-hmm. felt so strongly, wherein only a couple of seasons ago, they were the upstarts. They right, were the right. ones trying to replace their father. Now they find themselves having replaced their father, and now they're worried about that there's no one to replace them. Uh, so you're right, man. That's a great, that's a great, um, it's great analysis there. There was a lot of that passing to the new generation. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, Sansa and John stuff, because I okay. did see already on the Twitter. I like, you know, I like to, ch- I'm a Twitter guy. I like to check the Twitter. Um, uh, people kind of saying, you know, Sansa a little bit back to the, um, you know, different character like she that's kind of been a complaint with her is that you know sometimes she's strong then other times she makes stupid mistakes you know sometimes she seems shrewd i think that she's learning and she's imperfect and based upon what we've seen of her from you know a little girl who dreamed of being a princess to now a what thrice married well thrice promised twice married uh you know, at the grand old age of what is she in her early twenties? <laughs> you know, yeah, well, yeah. it's, you it, know, go ahead. Oh no. Uh, 
the, the only thing that bothered me. Okay, sorry. I heard a motorcycle. Yeah, that was the mo- that was the, that was just the motorcycle gang. Yeah. Stella. No, 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 <laughs> dude. That 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 was my double on the motorcycle driving away. Anger. Yeah. Nice. Anyway, <laughs> you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, Sansa and John are fighting. I, me and Lady Solo both were like, oh, what is she doing? Don't do it in front of all the you know all the followers do it you know away when they go walk up on the balcony but then when they're away on the balcony it's not like they're at odds they're just having a conversation john's laughing and saying just trying to say well this is just where i'm coming from so you get in front of them you see little finger smiling and like ooh, dissension this is what i want right, right. but then kind of behind closed doors make it up you know are like fine and they're like, listen, you can't do that in front of pe- people. Come on, you know, I'm the king. And, you know, so I'm just, I, I'm trying to gauge, are they really going to be conf- conflicted? Or is it just a learning process and they come together? That That's what's thrown me off a little bit. I'm not sure what to take with Sansa. Is it her, like you said, learning on the spot and maybe making a mistake by questioning him in front of everyone? Or... Is Littlefinger going to end up getting under her skin? I don't. I, I don't know. No, I, I don't either. And I think I do feel, as a veteran, as we all are, of watching television um, yes. and stories, you do get that little bit of the pit in your stomach, which is like, uh oh, useless B plot, useless B plot, like a little sensor, <laughs> you know, like beep. Beep, beep, plot, beep, plot. Like, are they going to fight and come back? And then this and that. You know what I mean? Is lit? Oh, is she's going to have to decide between him and Littlefinger? But I, I too don't know from this first episode. The potential is there. But again, I feel pretty comfortable that with 13 episodes left, there's going to be missteps. There's going to be things that we think are a waste of time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, but the complexity there intrigued me instead of turning me off. I love the way you put it, which is you're right. They were in front of everyone and they were doing their, were in front of everyone. But once they got off the stage, they were kids again, kind of, and they were, they, they did, they couldn't really hold that anger up, you know? And they laughed and she was like, and it was kind of funny. The last thing she says is, oh, don't be so terrible. You know, (laughs) that's kind of cute. And then she, but but then she was kind of rude to Littlefinger. So she, I think she is just, she, you know, she's been through a lot, man. And she's learning the ropes. And I think at this point, should have she kept her mouth shut? Yes. But then again, on the other hand, I think the way that she's dealing with Littlefinger might not be too bad unless she goes too far with it. Then it's going to swing around and kick her in the ass. Because as she stated, she treats a guy like shit. And then she tells Brienne, we really need him. Yeah. You know, and if it was the opposite, if she just agreed with John and then behind the scenes was going after him and arguing with him, it might have that that way might have been like, oh, geez, there's dissension. Nice. But, the, but the fact that it's the opposite is why I think it's a learning experience and she just kind of messed up and was just voicing her opinion. Yeah. I uh, so. let's, let's hope so. But well, uh, yeah, 
either way, I'm happy that they're presenting a complexity to it rather than a three, rather than like threes companying it. You know what I mean? And like right. as soon <laughs> as soon as John walks off, Littlefinger comes up and she's like, Ew. and she's like, yes, Littlefinger. No, it didn't happen that way. So <laughs> that's you're right. The way you proposed it, it could have been a much more like mustache twirling type of thing. And it wasn't. And, but then again, like I said, unless you unless you really have the wherewithal to know the whole story it's probably not a great idea to be being so nasty to Littlefinger. It doesn't serve a purpose. He's got to have something up his sleeve. He's got to have a last play. It can't be just, I want to marry you. There's going to be something. Dude, how many times in game of Thrones is Littlefinger walking away? Some motherfucker says something about him and that's the person who gets screwed. San- he could kill Sansa. If she won't marry him, maybe he'll kill her. I mean, I don't know. But yeah, he, I don't know. He's not. I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be so surprised to see a, a scene with him and Cersei, or you know what I mean, like him playing both sides. Figuring at this point, he always has been smart like that. Like, look, I can't Sansa. Look how she's acting now. You know, I'll play into this now, but. Is this what I'm getting into? Like this kind of drama? I'm trying to be the king. I'm trying to take this over, you know? So. Yeah, because one, one thing um, with the finale, too, Danny, when she was telling Dario he needs to stay in Marine, she's like, I may need to marry someone for alliances. Euron now's here and wa- wants that with Cersei. Um, and so it's like, ooh, Littlefinger be like, would Cersei be like, well, Littlefinger is king of the Vale blah 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 maybe that's the right alliance if this so so uh, when Euron comes in and proposes and says I'm going to bring you back a gift I'm assuming that's the head of Danny is that what you got out of that one uh no no oh, okay no um the Euron uh when Euron said that I I have an inkling of what he may be talking about and um, I don't, I don't want to mention it because I think it might be a book thing. Oh, okay. It's okay. probably, honestly, at this point, it's probably the last vets vestige of any like book rumor knowledge that I have that could, that of going into this season. Cause most of it was exhaust. I mean, all of it was, I don't haven't read the books. I only listened to a couple podcasts here and there last season, but I think I might know what he's talking about. Um, okay. But I didn't know that. It, I didn't. I didn't think. I was really. I really didn't have an idea. My initial idea was like, like I said. But um, I don't know. But that scene. What did you think of? Um, are you you uh have any other initial reactions to Sansa <laughs> and John? Um, yeah, with Sansa and John, I I just I am um, because Littlefinger's in the picture. I'm a little uneasy. I know the war of the with the white walkers and the whites. And of course uh, that that's the big thing with John and that we're getting ready for that. But with little finger around, I, I, if it was just John and Sansa, I, I could deal with their growing pains and that's fine. But because little finger is right there, I'm just, uh, but Brienne is there, which is a good thing. She's going to look after Sansa as well. So yeah. that could help. Uh, so I'm just, 
<coughs> no, but that's Excuse a good me. point. That's a good point because we know that Brienne doesn't like Littlefinger. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't trust him at all. As a matter of fact, it seems as if she would enjoy killing him at any <laughs> point in time, any time of the day. She would like to do that. So you, that's a good point that, that Sansa has Brienne there to kind of like remind her who Littlefinger is or not to think that you're getting right. smarter than him. I just have to say, I love the Tormund um, Brienne stuff. I just wish <laughs> that he would just like, he's got to, you know, he's got to up his game, man. All the staring, <laughs> it's getting creepy, bro. You know, I mean, like you got it. Like at some point you just have to walk up to her and be like, hey, I'm Tormund. How are you doing? Would you like to go for a walk with me? <laughs> Fire walk with me. Yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, let's chill. Let's have some mead. Let's whatever. Let's sword fight. Do you want to train with me? We have common interests, you know? Oh, and he's like, I never wanted to be Podrick so bad or whatever, you know, whatever he said, he implied. <laughs> I'm like, I just, I was dying. I was like, that's good. It was just, again, little subtle looks, a couple yeah. of lines, but we got it. <laughs> yeah. I recently saw him in that Fast and Furious movie. I was like, he's a lot. Everybody on this show, they do such a good job of piling on the clothes and the boots, making them right. look so big. Cause he actually, I don't think he, I don't know how big that dude is. He didn't seem well, Jon Snow is really small yeah, in real yeah. life. That's He's a, a tiny yeah. guy. So, so if you got wide shoulders, like yeah. like uh, he he's probably not as big. But to Jon Snow, he's huge. But that's great with just the way they're shooting it and the way they're casting it. You know, people look a lot bigger <laughs> than yeah. they normally do. That's the especially truth, with man. those layers. I do want to mention something. Um, just before we, uh, if there's any more John Sansa stuff or any of that, but I just wanted to say that throughout the episode, I was really impressed. It just, like I say, they just seemed to up the game. Like even the clothes just looked awesome. I really loved all the outfits that everybody had on from, uh, some people were making fun of Euron, but I kind of dug it, man. And I like, I loved the uh, Kingsguard and uh, the Mountain and Cersei and even like Sansa, John, everybody just, it, it just like, I don't know. They just upped the costume game to a point where I just felt like even the dress that um, Gilly had on, I thought was mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm just, why am I noticing all these clothes? It looks awesome. They're just doing such a great job. It but, seems uh, like everyone was showered and well groomed, <laughs> like Ed at the wall. I was like, man, Ed looks like he just you know bathed and got a haircut. Yeah. It just seemed like everyone was like, okay, we've been muddy and nasty for so many seasons. Let's uh, let's let's take a shower and oh, uh, wash our clothes. I I totally agree with you. Now look, before we forget, I know we were talking about um, John and. Well, let's see. Do you ha I don't really have anything else for uh, John. And I liked. I do want to say one thing, John and Sansa. Yep. I like the way that they got right to. Everybody's here to talk about the White Walkers, and that is like something that sometimes blows my mind that we spent so long with everybody ignoring it. Now at least there's one group of people past the wall that agree. You know, the North. And, right. and we saw other thing, other times, you know, like Jamie saying winters here, but they don't mean, I don't think they believe in the white walkers at this point. They just think winter's coming, you know, 
They don't mm-hmm. know it's the long night or whatever. But um, I don't know. I just wanted to say that I like that, that that's what John was talking about. Cool. All right. So uh, anything else with John Sanzo, all that? No, that's okay. good. We'll leave it for the rest of the uh, podcast this week as yeah. they go more in depth. Okay. Uh, so Bran, um, he's crossing the wall. Should we be worried about that? We talked about this last season, last podcast. Yeah. He has the mark of the Night's King. What's going on? That that does scare me. Uh, but one thing I do want to address is <laughs> I remember last season, I don't know if it was our pod or someone else's pod where they everyone's like, Benjamin just drops him like far from probably DJ <laughs> far from the wall. He's not going to carry him over there. But they had the sled. So Mira, she they had yeah. the sled. So that's, <laughs> but I remember, I think, I don't know if it was DJ, we're like, gee, Benjamin, <laughs> it was so funny. You just drop him here, you're going to leave him there. And it's like, hey, get to the wall, buddy. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I was thinking that just in the way Ed even looked and he was kind of looking around and going, I just, something with the spells and the whole thing we had discussed about the wall, like you said, with him being marked, uh, it, it it's a good thing, but it also scares me. So I, you know, I'm not quite sure, but I was like, I was almost like, don't go, don't go. But I'm like, where the hell else is he going to go? <laughs> yeah. I was a little surprised to be honest with you. Um, when I saw them standing there, when, you know, he opens his eyes, right. They pull back. They're there right at that gate. And I was like, they're not going to mention this. And I just, it just surprised me that Bran, Maybe now look, maybe it's just not going to be, maybe we're wrong and that doesn't have anything to do with maybe like the wall or whatever, the magic in the wall is not equatable to that mark, um, allowing the Knights King to come into the area that the three eyed Raven and leaf and the other children were in. Um, but it just seemed like a natural plot point um but i guess i mean unless we come we didn't we never came back that was a short scene we checked in with them and you know i didn't watch the the uh preview but um maybe you know maybe we'll come of i mean i guess we're going to come back to him but maybe it's just not going to be a point of anything but it seems to me that it would be you know it just makes sense yeah the only thing that wonders is what when he was getting trained why not did you know Max von Sydow there, tell him, uh, don't have, don't go beyond the wall. You'll destroy the wall. Maybe he doesn't know. You know, maybe and I'm sure no one at the wall. The only one that would probably figure it out is Sam. I don't think anyone of the Night's Watch, any, none of them would know because they don't really know Bran's powers per se. Yeah. You know what he yeah. can do. So you know, maybe I, I had this weird feeling Benjamin sort of knew, but I don't know. It, the actor was when when he was portraying that it just it was very general and more like I'm gonna fight. And yeah, no. I have to. Re- yeah. d- does he see it? Is there a time at which Bran shows him the mark? I thought that there was a time. Then he, I'd have to go back. Um, yeah, I rewatched sure. the whole season. I just I didn't get to the last episode. Actually, I ran out of time. Um, mm. But maybe there's something there. Maybe someone can write in or something that's included in the show. Um, but, uh, yeah, maybe it's just not a point, but I think that's pretty cool that like everybody is, you know, 
that's on the map too in the beginning they didn't show um essos at all mm. everything was westeros and that's the yeah. first time it's been like that for a long time right Maybe, oh right yeah i don't know if it ha- ever has because even in the beginning danny was over there so um i'd have to hmm, yeah if somebody knows tell me but I think that's pretty cool. But yeah, I guess it's just not part of it, man. Maybe it'll pop up later. Um, but they seem to be hinting with the um uh the stuff with um uh where, who was it? Sam that was mentioning uh oh no, no, I'm sorry, the hound uh mentioning that castle, that far castle would be where they come through or something. So that's pretty cool if it makes sense. Like, you have this big, huge wall. Why would everybody continually attack the place where the people are? You know, like they said, the wildlings mm-hmm. have been coming through there. Like, uh, I remember early in early seasons, they say, like, that's how the wildlings would normally come through and do those r- small raiding parties. They were actually oh, okay. coming through other castles. Yeah, because they they talked about how a lot of castles weren't manned, and they maybe put a couple of people there just to make it look like they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I I don't think, I'm not talking about the secret entrance that Bran knew about where they met up with Sam. I'm talking about just, yeah, it's like undefensible locations. Yeah. 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 Uh, How crazy is it one one's uh, white now? Yes. And Uh, others too, right? There were three of them at least. Yeah. Oh, man. That's not good. Yeah, and I think that that is, I don't know, as this show goes on, I think the likelihood of us seeing more characters turn into whites is high. And maybe turn into white walkers. I don't know how you could do that. Maybe if they do, like, they were done. You take the dragon glass and or the obsidian oh, right, yeah, and stick it in them. Yeah. Oh you my know? God. Imagine Jamie Lannister becoming a white Walker. Oh man. I don't know. Euron seems like a likely candidate. That oh, dude's I know. crazy. Doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. He? Hey, solo. We just interrupted the podcast to talk about Patreon. Oh man. We interrupted the podcast, but it's for a good cause. Axel, right? It is Patreon, baby. <laughs> Join us, become a patron, join the club. Uh, we got this DVR podcast network right now. We're doing podcast Winterfell. We're going to continue podcast Winterfell after the game of uh, Thrones season is over, but we're also going to take on new podcasts. We want to do a weekly podcast where we're talking about TV. There's a bunch of shows out there. I would love to continue uh, on the film list. I used to do top 100s, favorite films and stuff like that, but I would love to do more countdown. There's so many other things maybe revisit old shows and do maybe like a three-part podcast on a, a series we like i'd like to talk Ooh. about the wire axel oh like, the I'd shield love the shield i'd love to talk oh, about the shield. shield yeah go to patreon backslash dvr and now back to the show so that was quickly i mean i think you and i along with countless others called that that who else does cersei have to align with it has to be Euron. Yeah, and they get yeah. they did that pretty quickly, right? Yeah, and uh, and he he's such a smug a hole, so it's perfect. Um, and I, I couldn't help laughing. Hey, a siren! Hey, my new place! I got sirens like there the old go, days. Baby. Yep. 
I'll throw back to the old podcast. Anyway, uh, when I was looking at the ships and the, some of them looked like houses on the ship, I'm like, oh no. I'm like, <laughs> how did they? Do? Anyway. It well, was just oh, you mean like with happened. the walls and everything? Yes. Oh, I didn't think of that. That's right. Because he was like, go back to your houses. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Them down. Yeah, that's funny. But those were, I, you know, I thought those looked badass, dude. I was like, these, this is some nice. I thought the CGI and the art on that was quality. I really liked it. Dude, the set dressing and the props and, like you said, the big set pieces, the the ships looked ph- phenomenal. Yeah. Um, just like even at Dragonstone, I mean, we'll get there, but even the dragons carved in the walls. Like, I don't remember yes. that from season two. So I'm wondering if that's new or not. Um, I, I just don't remember if, but it's just, it, I just was amazed at the detail it was just really awesome. But those ships looked awesome. So they built those what in two weeks or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, we're going to have to just let time go. You know what I yeah. mean? They built yeah. like 20 dudes on a beach, built a thousand ships and now they're there and we're just going to have to accept that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They built this city built on rock and roll, baby. On... <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, but, I liked the, um, I, I liked the whole, I mean, the whole stuff with Jamie and Cersei, that painting on the floor was super cool. Oh man. It, it actually reminded me of, uh, Superman, the movie with Otis Berg. And oh yeah. <laughs> it just reminded, I immediately thought of Superman and the map and with, you know, Lex Luthor's all his uh, names for the cities when he takes over. I just kind of like brought that back to me. But I was like, man, that's cool. I would love that on one of my floors. Yeah, it was awesome. And and we talked a little bit about that conversation with Jamie and Cersei. And I thought that that was really important. Like I said, I really think they did... Um. I mean, in a lot of ways, it's the first episode of a season. Game of Thrones is like a novel, but it is episodic. And I think this is definitely a putting the pieces together, setting the stage kind of episode, even though we did have, there was a lot of movement within that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that that was a very necessary conversation for them to address right off the bat where like kind of like where they stood the fact that they had no kids anymore, the fact that like they're, you know, they taught, they basically, they, there was exposition in that, but I felt that it was necessary. And I like the way that everybody is talking about everybody else, you know, that, that was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, and to go back, I just want to say we did miss with the John and Sansa thing that they mentioned that they got that note from Cersei. Which, right, right, right which I thought was cool too. So you have like every, the new, you know, the pieces on the board, man. It's, I love it. I love it. I wonder, I wonder how many times I could say right tonight in this podcast. I'm like, oh. right. I'm like Ed McMahon on the podcast. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right, go, baby. Right. Well, take it away, man. Go down with the, with the, how, what did you think of the whole scene with Jamie, Cersei and Euron? Yeah. I, I, you know, I was surprised a little bit cause I thought, Cersei was going to align with him right there and make Jamie look like a fool. But it was almost like Cersei's like, no, I'm, I'm going to reject your proposal. And it kind of like, so I was like, okay. But then when Euron made that uh, quota, I got both my hands. And it was like a Jack Nicholson moment. I got both my hands and I'm going to go bring you a gift or whatever he said. I thought that was a crack at Jamie. Uh, 
But, you know, when they were talking about how, you know, J- J- you know, he's Euron was like f- flattering Jamie with, oh, you're a great fighter and all that. And he's like, I slaughtered your people. And he's like, eh, we had too many. You know, we needed to cut down on the population. It just shows you Euron. Just, he's just a ball of you-know-what. He's just all over the place. I don't know what the ball of you-know-what is, but um, you can write in to us and tell us. That podcast wonderful. <laughs> tell us what uh, a ball but, of you-know-what is, people. <laughs> yes, tell us what a – tell him. Tell me. Uh, but no, uh, that – you know, I know Cersei's thinking – this is what I got from Cersei. She's not just going to give in to him. But she's her little smirks and her, you know, wheels are turning in her head. I think she, she, it's setting it up for an alliance there. I really do think she's she just can't just give in to him. Like, sure, I'll join you. I'll marry you when you just, you know. There's gonna be more to that, but uh, you know that's why the whole Jamie Cersei thing. I think, I mean, I still want him to push her out a window. Uh, the season one of episode, of, I mean, episode one of season uh, eight. But uh, I, I just, I'm, I just don't know where. If Jamie sticks around, I know he's a Lannister and he loves her, but <sighs> Jamie should be going somewhere else. I, I don't know. And the fact that too, when they're talking about Tyrion, it's like you let him free. He killed our father, and now he's advising Danny. Uh, you know, would Tyr- would Jamie kill Tyrion if he had the chance? You know, that's another dynamic there that I'm very eager to see if there's any type of, you know, reunion, not in a good way, but what would happen if they do cross paths? Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, I like that, too. Like I said, that they were talking about Tyrion and Jamie was very he was just kind of it was interesting. He was it was a lot of him kind of just looking and like you were saying earlier, he was kind of take. he wanted to talk about the kids. He wanted to talk about the real stuff. But then when she put it on him about how they're going to conquer the world, it really turned back to her. And yeah. he, he was kind of soaking it in, kind of getting a lay of the land. And he seemed like the only sane person, especially in the room with Euron and um, Cersei, who... I, you're right about her, the wheels turning. There was even like she she was kind of moving her hand on the chair. Did you notice that? Like kind of. Oh no, I didn't. Yeah, if you look, and it was they were catching it like in the background, and one t- one shot was kind of obvious, but it was like you know, kind, you know, kind of that thing where she's she's got like a bit of a nervous energy about what's going on here, and. Mm-hmm. She wants to, I think she's kind of intrigued by Euron. And honestly, I think they would make a good couple. (laughs) I'm shipping them, dude. I'm shipping Cersei and Euron right here on the show. I think, you know what? They probably have some hot sex. You know what I'm saying? It'd be freaky. And it would probably be, he'd bring a little comedy into it. You know what I'm and saying? That's where Jamie catches them and pushes them both out the window. <laughs> yes, <Right>? exactly. <laughs> there you go, Solo. Now it really comes full circle, right? Because you're it's a it's like an exact replica of what was happening when Bran caught them, right? So and it's the things you do for love. What yep. he says pushes Bran yeah. out. I just think that they'd make a great couple, man. And I, I. I I was surprised too. I thought that she was going to say something like, let me consider your offer. And then we'd get another scene with just them. And then we'd get a scene with, uh, 
him with Jamie and Cersei. But I just feel like Jamie at this point, it's like, wake up, bro. You know, I mean, let alone that she's your sister, but she's fucking nuts, dude. Like, you do not want to be in a relationship. And plus, you just reminded us, her and yourself, you don't have any ties to her. Like, you don't have any kids. Your father's dead. Your your only other relative that matters to you, your brother, you want to kill him. And she, well, maybe you don't, but she does. So I think that this Euron... Cersei thing is setting up Jamie getting out of there. Yeah, and plus, remember when she says, are you afraid of me? Yeah. That was interesting. We've never heard that before, I don't think, come out of her mouth to Jamie. I mean, as much as when he came back after his long journey and losing his hand, it took a while for them to kind of get close again. But now it just, they're just, she's a different woman at this point. Yeah, she's she's I mean, she's still Cersei. She has but she's in a total different level. And I think she's numb to feelings now. I mean, I think Tommen was the last straw losing Tommen. Now she's just like, I'm in it for myself. She says she's in it for him and her or her and him. But no, she's just numb. She's power is her power and conquering and being the last one standing is what Cersei wants. And that's what she's going after. And let me tell you. Uh, I uh, we talked about this a little bit previously where I said I think that it could be possible that one of our um, characters teams up with the White Walkers and when Mm -hmm. Cersei started when Jamie was like you know who do we have to leave it to what does it matter and she she was like then we'll hold it for as long as we can or eternity or something like that and I was like you know what? I know a way that you could hold power for a really long time if you were an immortal being. You know, that's and, what was my prediction. Yeah, and would align with the White Walkers. And I'm telling you, and Euron, too, the way that he is always with his "I'm the god of the sea." I know I'm the best. Like he thinks he's a magical creature. I right. think that they are setting. This is another thing I notice in this episode, which is the a lot of. Uh, just outright talking about magic and dragons and and mystical stuff. Now, I know, obviously, we all have been watching. It didn't start that way. It built up. We know the story. But I think we're at the point now. And, I mean, we didn't have Jamie and Cersei talking about, you know, the White Walkers are coming. They're still trying to get the kingdom. But I feel like with the Hound, um, with... This stuff going on at with at Winterfell um, with Euron, you know, I think that there's like there it's just there's more people that are, believe in the magic than don't like the tide has kind of turned over, you know, especially with the hound mm-hmm. that surprised me. Yeah, that, yeah, that was interesting because I, I, I thought. My memory, I mean, you guys clarified it for me on the preview cast. I didn't realize he was going with the Band of Brothers. I thought he was a uh, brother Band of Brothers, Brotherhood Without Banners. I thought he was going on his own, and then I saw him with them. I'm like, oh, interesting. Okay, he's not joining. He's just going. Okay. Right. But uh, the stuff with him looking in the fire, that, you know, what what a what are you doing? he's like come here and he's like hell no i'm not going near the fire (laughs) that was that was just like oh it was awesome but the fact that he saw the wall and he saw different things that was 
What did you What did you take from that? I was surprised, man, and I just want to give a shout out to Mike for kind of talking, using his time to talk about the Hound, and it really paid off because he was like the star of this episode. Funny, mean, cool, then <laughs> mystical, spiritual, loving, care. I mean, he he was <laughs> like this was like an acting gamut, man. You know, this he should just use this episode as his Emmy nomination reel or something because. He really, this was great stuff. Um, But in particular, when he looked into the fire, it was strange because as soon as, um, as uh, Thoro said, come, you know, come over here and look at it. I thought to myself, he's going to see something in the fire. Mm -hmm. I didn't doubt it. And that's what I mean about like the magic stuff. I just felt like he was going to walk over there and see something in the fire. But then still I was surprised when he did. I mean, this is the hound. Yeah, because we had Melisandre. They're both Lord of Lights do the same thing with other characters, especially Stannis. Right. So is it trickery or is it real? Is it, you know, that's the only thing I'm like. It seemed like it was real, but is that just to convince the hound to come with them to fight the good fight? Or... Is I that? Mean, I don't know. That's a good point. You're right because, I mean, look, even Melisandre before she brought John back, com- doubted herself, and as Thoros said, he doubted himself the most right before he brought Barrack back. Right. So, right. um, I think whether I think in this whole world, and as I had my theory that I sent into podcast Winterfell, which we now own, we have taken it. Um, I, yes. I had that little idea. finger. <laughs> yes, Barbara. Do your little finger. Yes. Uh, I, I Sansha. Sansha. I have to tell you something. Sansha. Um, touch my wiener, Sansha. Uh, yes. um, uh, what, I, what was I going to say? Um, okay. Is this a world in which once magic, the dragons somehow bring magic or, once you believe it, it is so like in a way um, I equated it. I mean, this is never going to be explained. Of course, I don't expect it to be, but um, like um, the famous book and film uh, Solaris, mm-hmm. where they encounter a world, which, which communicates through the mind and then people begin to see hallucinations but it's metaphor for the communication of the plant, blah, blah, blah. But right. is this a similar type of world? And is this the way magic works here? That's why I started to think to myself um, that they had the whole conversation where the hound was saying, you're not special. I've seen men who are worse than you. I've seen men who are better than you. There's nothing special about you. Why does the Lord keep on bringing you back? But then mm-hmm. Thoreau says, hey, Count, come on over here. And I start thinking, is he going to be able to bring the Hound back? Like, is Ooh. this, how, is it, you know, we want to believe that Jon Snow is the prince that was promised. Um, but was it really actually not special that he, it's not, you don't have to be a special person to be brought back. Like Melisandre may be able to bring back anyone because now she believes she can do it. 
or you know maybe there's a lord of light um well that's interesting because barrack looks just so broken down being brought back so many times he just looks tired and i'm wondering if there needs to be you know so that'd be interesting i mean whether Jon snow is the next one or i mean it'd be interesting if Jon snow were to die could they bring him back again then we would know um i don't know if they would do that uh maybe something with the white walkers maybe gets defeated and then he's brought back and was able to defeat him i don't know you know man it's like i keep on thinking um, and other people, I mean, people, book readers have, of course, been saying this for years. It's like when you play Dungeons and Dragons or you play other RPGs where you have a team and on the team you have like the magician or um, in, uh, I mean, even in, hey, the star, the game Star Wars Battlefront, you can throw a like a back to bomb and it heals people. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. if you have if you're going into battle and you have um, Thoros and Melisandre and whoever else, and they're just basically staying near the battle. And then when John dies, they go out there and go, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Or they they grab the body and bring him back and then they bring John back and he goes back and fights more. Do you know? And then it's like you have that's what I kind of see Game of Thrones going into next season. It's like they gotta build the team. You got the assassin and Arya, the you've got the warriors, now you've got the magicians, you've got the, you know, like and you can put Sam in there with his knowledge, you know? So it's kind of uh I I, I just I I really dug that they brought that Thoros was a big part of and the 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 brotherhood was a part, a big part of this episode. And I like that the hounds, it looks like he's going to stay with them. Yeah. And I'm wondering, say Thoros or Melisandre uh, were killed, right? I'm wondering like if I just have a feeling like a Davos would, could, I don't know if he'd be able to, I don't know how you get the power to bring someone back, but I don't know if you have to have, you have to believe in the Lord of the Lay or it's got to be someone very close to you that you don't want to die. And, you know, so I'm wondering if, if like, say that were to happen with the battlefield and they're gone, who could bring them back? And I'm wondering out of desperation and love and caring if Davos went over to John or, you know, know, Solo, I like this because who more of an unbeliever than Davos? Right. This theory you have here has absolutely no validity to any facts we've seen yet. But I don't care, and I buy it 100%. Because <laughs> that's the kind well, that's of theory I like. Yeah, that's, and that's, that's what I bring. No validity. It's just in the gut what comes yeah, out. But hey, just, um, yeah. thematically, it makes a lot of sense, Solo. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I mean, is that a big deal? Could be uh, in the long run, but... Um, I don't know. I just, I, you know, I get this weird thing where, you know, Davos and Stannis, he was always his right hand man. Well, with some fingers chopped off, but, um, but they didn't have that. I mean, he had more of a better relationship with, with Shireen than Stannis. Yeah. Cause of course, Alessandra, but I just feel the Jon Snow Davos relationship is going to grow stronger and stronger. Uh, or, you know, with Torment, Torment too. It's like the three of them I just really enjoy. I think they really got each other's backs. So I look forward to that journey to see what happens there. Yeah, me too, um, man. I got a question for you. 
do it, baby. Okay, so we got a lot of Sam. We got probably more Sam this week than we did all of last season. We got mm-hmm. like, I think, three scenes last year with Sam. It felt like, other than, you know, meeting with his dad and family. But, uh, you know, it wasn't too much Sam. The whole quick cut, like the Guy Ritchie kind of style of the, the you know, the, the soup, the gruel. The oh, poop, yeah, yeah. You know? Did that take you out of the episode? It just didn't feel like Game of Thrones-like to me, though it was effective because I wanted to throw up, and I'm glad I wasn't eating while I was watching that sequence. But did that throw you off at all, or were you okay with it? Um, I liked it, but what it what it reminded me of was Breaking Bad. That oh, is a total Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul. I mean, Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've done that like five, six times where the, where the noises start to make kind of a beat. Um, I liked it. And I initially I'll say, OK, let me think about this, because there's a difference between when you just asked me that question and I start thinking about it and my initial like when I was watching it. It did take me out when I was watching it. First of all, I don't like looking at shit and stuff like that. It does make me feel a little sick. And people, yeah, and people barf it like yeah. gagging. I just not, yeah, it's not my a thing, thing, bro. Like, no, I ain't like a jackass dude who thinks it's funny to watch people throw up. I think it's fucking sick. It makes me want to throw up. Um, but I liked it because I liked that they took that chance. Mm. It's on Game of Thrones like. Game of Thrones does not usually draw attention to craft as far as filmmaking and all that goes. You know what I mean? They don't get they usually don't get cute with the editing or anything like that. Right. Right. Um, they usually stay true to their form of storytelling yeah. and they don't You know how sometimes you have a guest director and normally directors will stay you know, stay kosher to the series, but like perfect example, you know, a lot of people talk about not to bring up Twin Peaks, but Diane Keaton back in the day did an episode and she pulled out all the like cool shots that didn't quite fit with Twin Peaks. It would just felt like a different episode was directed by this person. So, which I like, but at the same time, it doesn't keep up with, um, you know, the whole series. So that's why I was, I was thrown off. It was effective. And that I like that style of filmmaking for like, like I say, like Guy Ritchie movies have that Breaking Bad stuff like that. But it just for the Game of Thrones, it threw me off. But I don't think it's something I'm going to be like, oh, my God, that was awful. Cause I didn't think it was awful. It was just what was in the scenes <laughs> made me gag. But it just was weird. It almost didn't feel like Game of Thrones to me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, man. Um, it didn't. But then again, I have to say, um, if they continue to put elements of that kind of stuff into the show, I think that it could be interesting, but I don't think they're going to. So, no. uh, yeah, it seems to or me... Or if they kept it with... I'm sorry. Or if they kept it with the Sam storyline, if that's what huh. they did yeah, consistently, then yeah. to pass time of his, you know, then I'm like, okay, I'll accept that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. I understand. Great. You're That's good solo if they continue to use devices similar to that um to show the drudgery of sam growing until the point where stealing the books is not enough you know Mm -hmm. that's interesting i don't think they're going to do that so i think it might just remain an anomaly 
I dug it didn't really it didn't ruin anything to me. I mean, you know, I kind of dug it. Um but I guess we'll have to see. Um yeah. wait, what well, was what was I going to say? Um uh I had a thought in my mind about another way they could use it, but yours was better and I forgot it. It erased it. <laughs> See, it erase it. And Jim Broadband as the Archmaester, he lost a lot of weight. I remember him from Moulin Rouge. You know, he's a not a fat guy, but you know, good size. But man, he got skinny. I almost didn't recognize him. You got you get older, man. You gotta drop those pounds, bro. That's that's what I'm doing. I'm down fifteen, brother. Yeah. I'm getting back in shape. Solo is getting back in shape, baby. Yeah. But I, who cares? Man, I I gained some weight going to a hustler's wedding. <laughs> it was good chicken, man. A lot, a lot of, a hey. lot of breaded chicken at a hustler's wedding the whole week. It was a lot, a lot of breaded chicken, and I like that. Hey, you know, you'll get another. <laughs> I'll get another chicken. Um. So, oh, oh, go ahead, baby. <laughs> another question for you. So, Jorah is there, as we mentioned before. Uh, is in because uh, Lady Solo was like it almost looks like a prison <laughs> when he was mm-hmm. when he was grabbing the meals, but it almost feels like is that the sick they're trying to cure? Are they trying to you know maybe do experiments to come up with cures? Is that is is he trying to get help there or is he, you know what do you think that whole wing was of the Citadel there with Jorah? Well, the Maesters strike me as a sort of mix between a sorcerer and a um, monk, you know? Um, so um, maybe late, maybe in the, on the uh, Book Readers pod with Tracy, Mike, and Donald, they might delve deeper into what that might be. But to me, uh, I thought kind of all of those things at once, like you did, like... I thought maybe they're trying to help them. Maybe they're doing experiments on them or just studying them. Um, yeah. But it forwards my idea that the stone men are the antithesis of the Ooh. the dead army of the whites. And I think that the stone men could be like could fight on behalf of the humans in some way. Mm-hmm. But who knows? But it was good to see Jorah, the man. He looks like he's getting it. It didn't look like it was on his face yet. I didn't see. I have to look again. But his hand and his arm. Oh, his up. arm. Yeah, it was like, whew. It's, it's accelerated. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. So um, I don't know. We've hit. We've gone over a little bit over an hour. Let's see. We talked about Arya. A little bit more of the Sam stuff. Um, as that was the second name I had. And I think we do have a little bit more to say about him. It was cool to see Gilly. Um, always like Mike was saying, always trying. Now she's reading. You know what I mean? The kid looks older. The kid looks good. Um, (laughs) yeah, I know the kid, Lady Solo goes, man, that kid got big. (laughs) He did, man. That's what I, I said that to my wife. I was like, man, it's been a couple of years. And Perry said that she estimated that child to be about a year and a half old, a year and a half to two years old. So I since, mean, in the since, grand scheme of things, yeah, it's not yeah. a big deal. Right? And I mean, there is the, there is also the point that he didn't grow for like two seasons, right? <laughs> <laughs> Growth spurt. 
Yeah. Um, but I like that. That I the thing with Sam I found to be a little bit um like expository. Like why did Yeah. I thought everybody knew that Dragonstone was made of dragon. I thought they figured that like he, he reminded us that he knew already, which I felt was weird. He's like, I gotta tell John. And and um but yeah, I, I, you know, it's tough because we, you know, so many podcasts and listening to so many watching the show because John says Dragonglass will kill the the White Walkers. We got to make weapons, but he doesn't say we have to go to Dragonstone, right? He just says we got to find Dragonglass. Yes. And I think and I think um, dr- the fact that under uh, Dragonstone, there's a lot of Dragonglass. So maybe Sam thought, I mean maybe just by the book, it just was like, Oh my God, there is abundance of it there. Um, so yeah, I was a little confused. I, Cause I, I'm trying to remember, do they, don't they know that? Or is it just yeah, us no, on a podcast? Dude, figuring yes. It out? No. Um, in season, I'm going to say it was season. Th- it was season five. St- when, uh, Stannis was in like some little oh, ante yes. room and he was talking to, maybe it was the Maester's room there he was talking to sam and sam said something and stannis said dragon glass dragonstone is built on it there's a it, yes, it is dragon you're right. right and then that's why sam says he says it to gilly he says gilly look look it's dragon glass. it's dragon glass and then he's like um he's like stannis <laughs> said that it was built on it but i didn't really believe him and i was like okay come on sam that's not really like you bro right you know, that's not that that I found a little strange, but it, it moved it along. And he's learned he, yeah. maybe that's just the first of many think connections that they can make. Um, but I was glad to see him getting those books. Yeah. And maybe with Sam to get that source out of a book, that's he's more reliable on that. Of course, what he sees, he killed a White Walker. Good point. Good um, point. But maybe once he hit the book and saw it in the book, it's like he makes the connection. Oh my God, it is true because he's so like in his zone in the library with books and books yeah. and books. So maybe that's just you know kind of Sam's thing there. Cool, man. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really have. Do you have anything else you want to add, Solo? Just uh, Danny and the crew. No oh, yeah, I forgot. Lady even, Olana. Yeah, no yeah. Lady Olana on the boat when I watched the finale. So she, <laughs> everyone else was on there um, and not her. But uh, <laughs> um, so Danny, you know, showing up, that's where she was born, correct? Yes, she was born yeah. during a storm, right? Right. And, and, and actually, Lady Solo brought this up. Which, which she kept saying, wow, that seems like a good place to defend. You can defend against the I, I guess she liked... The, the layout there thinking that was the perfect place to, you know, I guess to defend and whatnot. I don't know. Cause they have to go attack King's landing. That, but may I say great, that is an awesome uh, thing that she noticed. That's that's because yeah. there is, you got to think, man, I mean, like rarely do they show such a drawn out entrance. Like this is a beach. Then this opens. Then there is a huge walkway. Then you have to walk some more. Yeah, it's like the Great Wall of China. Yeah. So that good eye, yo, Lady Solo. Yeah, Solo, she's she's a smart one. She, but she was like, why don't they just stay there? And you know, but I mean, 
you know, it did look, because I, I don't remember seeing as much of Dragonstone from season two and such, um, but it was like, it was pretty awesome. I'm glad they showed us more. And it really was, again, Danny's looks and, and going there and then the table. All I could think about was, do you realize Stannis and Melisandre had sex on that table, Danny, and you're touching? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking about like, I was thinking about like, is is that where, is that where, um uh, what's his name? Uh, the rower. What? Who? Oh man! Oh, it's Gendry. So, yeah, is Gendry. that where is that where Gendry's weenus was out? Are they gonna like <laughs> look over? The, I thought, and I thought like when she was touching or like looking around that there was gonna be like a drop of blood or something. You know what I mean? Like just to kind of bring us back. But I will say they did an awesome job of establishing Dragonstone because one of my complaints with the early Stannis stuff is that I felt they did a horrible job of establishing it. Oh, in season two, I didn't know where we were. Yes. Uh, The beach, you couldn't tell where they were. When they were up in that room, you couldn't tell where they were. Every time they just didn't establish it properly. And I don't know if maybe they noticed that or they did that on purpose because they wanted to establish it as Danny's ancestral home. Like, This is when you get the entrance. And also, let's just say we've been waiting for six seasons for her to finally get to Westeros. And then she, and now I want to, did anyone else notice this? Did you notice this? Because Mike sent me a text and he said, when Danny touches the sand in her eye. Okay. Did you see it? Oh no, go, go say what you're going to say. There oh. is like a white walker, like a ring of blue, like shines in her eye when she touches the sand. Oh no, I, 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 no, that's not where I was. I did not see that. Okay. Oh, interesting. Oh, I like My, that. I got to go. I, I haven't just, rewatched, I just... so I'm going to, I'll, I'll know in a couple hours because I'm going to rewatch again. Right. Oh, interesting. Now when she's touching the sand, is that, she's never felt wet sand before or no dude she was touching she hasn't been back to westeros you know and this is where she was born yeah so that that, that's the thing like that whole thing i liked that the way she was feeling the the wet sand and stuff it was yeah she never saw sand because she's a city kid she (laughs) lived in manhattan her whole life she was like what's a beach hey concrete jungle dude (laughs) you know (laughs) the concrete jungle um, yeah, that was, but the, the whole establishing of, of, uh, Dragonstone was awesome. And they never showed us too like that. That was like kind of the room behind like the throne room. I never understood that. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, like how it was laid out. I just thought mm-hmm. it was like you said, the dragons, when they pushed the doors open and it was creepy too, that no one was there. I know. Right. It was like a ghost town. It was just, it was, I'm surprised. Well, yeah. Like I thought maybe there'd be some squatters. Like for, I was kind of thinking to myself, like, or or like people, Timmy Hines would be there or something. (laughs) Like all of a sudden, like she pulls the, she pulls the banner down and then like you look over and there's like a couple dudes on the ground with like (laughs) bottles and they're like, what's going on? My, oh, oh, it's the mother of dragons. You know, and then like people are running out half naked with like crack pipes and shit. But uh, it was just like, I guess they don't squat in Westeros or again, Lady Solo was right. Like you're not, it's like, it's hard to get groceries into Dragonstone. You know, like what do you do? They were starving there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. 
Oh, hey. Oh, but that's the, um, isn't that, is that where, uh, Davos brought, that's not where Davos brought the, uh, uh, the onions, right? Was it Dragonstone? Oh gosh. I don't remember. Book reader would probably would remember. But, um, I just, I was just saying like that really, it sticks in my mind because it's like shit, man. Like it's. You know, like imagine if you're like a kid at Dragonstone and you just want to kind of get away from your parents for a little bit, <laughs> like you have to walk. They home. lock you in a cell usually, <laughs> but yeah, it's like a long walk, you know, to sneak out. Yeah. I'll sneak out. When will you be there? Like in about three hours. <laughs> I'll meet you on the beach in three hours. <laughs> the hike down. Just ridiculous, oh. man. But it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, anything yeah. else from the Danny? I like that. She was like, let's get started. Let's get it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, it, it's, and they're definitely, yeah, it was a good, <laughs> of course, <laughs> there's always, it always seems to be Danny or something, then it goes to credits, <laughs> you know, yeah. I was waiting for the drive and go, Rawr! and then, dun, 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 dun. but uh, anyway, yeah, let's get it started. I'm, I'm like, I'm the same way. I'm like, let's get the season started, baby. All right. So uh, that's it. That is it. It is in the books, episode one, Dragonstone. That was the title, actually. Uh, we have finished here at the uh, DVR Podcasting Network podcast, Winterfell. Tomorrow night, I will be taking over for DJ Tim Hines. He is vacationing in Dorne, so I will be running the board for Talk Shoe. Now, normally, we do do it at 9 p.m., so I'm going to keep it at 9 But I live in Oregon, so that's going to be 9 p.m. West Coast time. So it's going to be midnight on the East Coast. And uh, wherever else you are in the world, you can use that as your guide. Um, But it's going to be fun. We're going to get into this same episode. I'm looking forward to hearing from everyone. Follow us on Twitter at WinterfellPod. Go to DVRPodcast.com. Uh, and you can find out the information. We also have our, you can find it out on our Facebook page, podcast Winterfell on Facebook. Um, I'm going to post how you can call into the show. Talk shoes, pretty easy. Basically you're calling into a conference call. The simple directions are this, you just call 724-444-7444. That's 724-444-7444 call that on Skype, your phone, whatever you want to do. It's going to ask you the call ID. Our call ID is 144-542-144-542. Then you can just choose guest, which is one, right, Solo? And uh, you can, you can, uh, you're calling in. If you want to come online and join the chat, you just go to talk shoe. And we'll be right up there as a live broadcast. You can just click on through and it'll open it up on your web browser, a little client that you can look through a chat and you can talk on the chat. Um, But if what you want to do is just call in, you don't need to call. You don't need to have a computer. You could just call that phone number um, and uh, you can go from there. And what am I talking about? Phones are computers anyway, but it's kind of hard to see that chat on your phone. I got to say, I've tried it before. I wouldn't suggest trying to do the chat on your phone. Have you ever done that before, Solo, on a talk shoe thing? No. I used to be a talk shoe clown, but yeah. you know, I haven't yeah. done it on the phone. Dude, I haven't done a talk shoe call-in like this 
since the finale of uh, Lost Mythos. That's the last time oh, wow. I ran the board on a talk shoe call. No kidding. Yeah, man. Yeah. All You're right, everybody. Back, baby. Yeah, we are back. So thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. We love you. Solo, take us out. Dara Gailies. Valor Juliana Margulies.